I'm beginning this morning talking to you on this subject of teach us to pray. So would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter. And as you're doing that, let me greet the campuses today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. We're glad you're joining with us today, whether you're in Cordova or Craneville, Illinois, or in Henderson or Savannah, Tennessee. We believe that God has a word for you. So as we go into the word of God today, we believe that the word of God will not return void. So would you get ready to receive today what God has? Now, the reason for this series is, if I were to ask the question today, how many of you believe that prayer is vitally important to Christians, I dare say every hand here as well as all of our campuses would be raised and said, yes, I believe that prayer is vitally important. But here's what I found through the years, and that is this, is that we talk a lot about praying, we may even read a lot about praying, but a lot of times there's not a whole lot of praying taking place. In the past few weeks, I've had some conversations with some people, and, and the interesting thing has been, especially with a couple of people who are just coming to faith in Christ, is they really don't know how to pray. And they said, Pastor, this prayer thing, uh, how do I go about praying? It, it sounds religious. And, and you know what? We can make it real religious, right? Have you ever been in, in church before and somebody start to pray and uh, they, they begin those King James prayers? You know what I'm talking about? They get that real deep, solemn look, O Godeth in heaveneth, thanketh theeth, todayeth, lordeth, we loveth theeth, Godeth. I just think they've got a speech impediment. Well, they got marbles in their mouth. And, and, and that's kind of what we've done with prayers, is we, we've made prayer a religious exercise instead of understanding that prayer is just simply communication with God Almighty. The passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at over the next four weeks is the book of Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 9 and going through verse 13. It's what is referred to, uh, it's according to your tradition, uh, your tradition, if you're a liturgical tradition, it's called Our Father. Uh, for the majority of us, we refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. And in that prayer, the setting of that is this. The disciples have been with Jesus for a season now, and they have seen him. At the beginning of his ministry, we see where Jesus goes out early in the morning to pray. We see in the middle part of Jesus' ministry uh, where he goes away to pray. We see at the end of his ministry, he goes to the garden to pray. And so they're noticing this about Jesus, and they come to him and they say, Lord, just as John the Baptist taught his disciples to pray, would you teach us to pray? Now, I think that's interesting. I think if I were, I would have picked out guys who knew how to pray. I'll wait. I mean, really? You're going to choose 12 guys to turn the world upside down for the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they don't even know how to pray? I mean, they've been with you now for months and even into years, and they don't have it yet? Now, the, the good part about that is, is that it makes us all feel at ease today to be able to say if they didn't have it, maybe we can learn some things as well. And so I, I want you, again, you can probably quote it. Uh, the, the ninth verse says, in this manner, therefore pray. Well, would you just pray, that, just say it with me, you know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, it takes us about 45 seconds to say that. 
So I, I don't think that's what Jesus was telling them. I don't think Jesus was saying, okay, just repeat this. Just say this real quick. Uh, I've heard people sing this. You can sing this in about two and a half minutes. I don't think that's what Jesus is telling us. I think Jesus was showing the disciples there a principle of a didactical teaching that he is giving to them. Uh, when I went into ministry, I knew that you ought to pray. I knew prayer was vitally important. Uh, but I would have to tell you, prayer was not high on my agenda. There were a lot of things I was doing that I felt like were a lot more important than prayer. But in the early 80s, I came across a book called Could You Not Tarry One Hour? The author's name was Dr. Larry Lee. And Dr. Larry Lee founded, uh, during that season, a massive prayer movement that began to literally shake the world. And as I read that book, I began to understand that there were some principles laid out in the Lord's Prayer that if I would begin to apply those and I would begin to pray that way, I could enter into the very presence of God and to see what God had for my life. And so what I want to do over the next four weeks is kind of break this thing down. We're going to take segments of this. It, it's kind of like this. Uh, if you're a person who does cross-country running, uh, you, you know that you have certain landmarks. You know if you get to a certain place, you're about a, a fourth of the way there. You get a little bit further, you know you're about a halfway there. Some of you have done marathons, and you kind of have all those things. Well, the, I, I want to kind of use the Lord's Prayer uh, as, as the demarcations in our life. And we're going to break this apart so that we can learn how to pray. Here's what I found out about most Christians. Most Christians want to pray. They have the desire to pray, but we don't have the discipline to pray. There's that wonderful word. That's almost a cuss word in church, isn't it? Right? Discipline. I hate to tell you, that's where disciples come from, is out of discipline. But what you find is, is that we have the desire to pray. Once we get into the discipline of prayer, then that discipline produces delight. It's the same way in any area of your life. If, if you have a desire to be healthy, and you have a desire to fit into those clothes that are in your closet, it takes discipline in your life uh, to eat right, to work out, to go to the gym, do all those things, and then the delight comes to you because you feel better, your body functions better, and you're able to wear those clothes and the buttons don't pop off, right? So it's the same way in this aspect of prayer. When we move from discipline, we move into delight, we can begin to see how God uh, has brought us to this place of really learning that prayer can be something that we enjoy as we go before the Lord. So let's, let's look at it. The first part, here's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about this first aspect where it says, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, let me, let me talk about this. When you come to your time of prayer, whenever that is, I pray early in the morning, you may pray late in the evening. It doesn't matter. But whenever you pray, there needs to be a protocol to your prayer. The Word of God says that we are to enter the, His gates with thanksgiving and then into His courts with praise. In, in other words, there's a way to approach the throne of God. When I began to look at this and I began to understand this, here's what I found. We, we need to look at this whole aspect where it says, Our Father which art in heaven. How does he become my father? I know that in myself, the Apostle Paul said, that is within me, within my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. 
So by knowing that as a Christian today, then how do I just, the Bible tells me to boldly come before the throne of God to make my petitions known. How do I do that? Here's how I do it. When I enter into my time of prayer, I form this mental picture of Jesus Christ hanging on a cross. Because it's through the cross of Jesus that you and I are able to come into fellowship with God Almighty. And so I begin to thank the Lord. Lord, I thank you today that Jesus Christ came and died for me. I thank you today that there was blood that was shed so my sins can be taken care of. I thank you, Lord, that you love me so much that you sent your only begotten Son not to condemn me, but that I could be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you know what? As you begin to do that, there, there begins to be some things happening down inside of you. And you begin to thank God. You begin to call Him your Father. Why? Because of what you've done? No, but because of what Jesus Christ has done and by the virtue of of the blood of Jesus, you and I now can come into the presence of God. And we can say, Father, we are here. You, you know what? The Jewish nation would have never called God Father. They, they wouldn't even pronounce his name. They were so in fear of him. And yet Jesus says, hey, guys, when you pray, approach him as your father. Another place he says, call him Abba, Father. Just good old southern colloquialism. What he's saying is call him Daddy. Right? That's, that's what he's saying to us. And so you and I are to come to that place where we understand that the blood of Jesus Christ was the agency which God used to bring me into his family. And because of that blood, I can call God my Father. Now, I don't know if that helps you, but that helps me. I no longer have to worry about who I am. I know who I am because I know who my father is. See, my father was killed when I was 14 years of age, and so I grew up most of my life now. I have not had an earthly father, but I have a heavenly father. And my identification does not come through an earthly father. It comes through my heavenly father, who is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when I understand that, then I can live this life and prayer becomes an exciting journey. Prayer becomes something that I don't dread. You know, have, have you ever gone, you say, man, I'm going to pray for 30 minutes, and after five minutes, you look down at your watch and you think you've prayed an hour. I mean, you just know, man, I've, I've prayed for, you know, all the cousins and the aunts, and, and you know, I've prayed for the government officials. I've, I've prayed for everybody I know. Surely it's been an hour, and you look down, it's been seven minutes. You go, wow, in the world is this? It's because we don't understand the process of prayer. And so this kind of gives you, you come into his gates with things, Lord, I thank you for the blood. I thank you today uh, that you have forgiven me. I thank you for what you have done. But then it goes on to say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name that word hallowed uh, means to set apart that you and you and i are are to literally set apart the name of god let me, let me do this real quickly be careful not to take the name of the lord god in vain i should have got more amens all right and that's not just when you use the god you know what word y'all okay all right, that's when we use any form of the name of the Lord as a Bible. I mean, I'm, I'm with people, and, and they'll just, something happens, they go, Jesus, and I'm going, are you praying? Oh, help me. 
Well, my Lord, really, are you calling on him? Well, oh God, really, do you need him? He, sa <laughs> he says, don't take my name in vain. His name is holy. His name should be hallowed. And that's what Scripture tells us. That's why Jesus said, hallow his name. Now, when we begin to look at the Scripture in the Old Testament, uh, the, the word Jehovah becomes very important. And the word Jehovah means I am that I am. Uh, when, when Moses went to the, the nation uh, to bring back the children of Israel from Egypt's bondage, he said, tell them the I am's has sent you. The I am what? The I am whatever you need. If, if you need deliverance, I am the deliverer. If you need sustaining, I am the sustainer. If you need healing, I am the healer. And, and so when you begin to study the Old Testament, you find that in the Old Testament, there are eight compound names of God that begin with Jehovah. And we're going to talk about those today because that's how we hallow the name of the Lord. As we are praying, I'm going to give you some benefits, and I'm going to show you the name that goes along with that or the names that go along with the benefits that come from what God has done for your life. I want to tell you something today. Prayer is an exciting journey. It is something that once you learn what it's about, you will not have to be drawn to it. You will run to it because the Bible says, as the deer pants after the water, so my soul longs for thee, O God. And so as we begin to understand that, we, we begin to move into that. So let me give you the first benefit that, that Jehovah brings into our life. And as we're praying, we can thank him for that. Number one is the benefit of forgiveness of sin and deliverance from sin's dominion. I've been forgiven. I don't know about you, but I had a lot of things to be forgiven for. Now, I can tell most of you didn't. Isn't it interesting how pious we get at church? Yes, amen. No, the, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So I'm forgiven of sin and I'm delivered from sin's dominion. Now, now here are the words. I'll give them to you real quickly. They'll come up on the screen. The, word, the first word is the word Jehovah Sidkenu. Jehovah Sidkenu means Jehovah my righteousness. Now I want to tell you something. I'm not righteous in myself, but I am righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so when, when the, enemy, the enemy shows up in our lives and, and he tells us, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you sinned. Let me, let me ask a question. I'll look at the camera. Let me ask a question. How many of you still sin? rest of you just did. Right? All liars shall have their part. Anyway, th there's this whole aspect there that we need the righteousness of God. And, and the enemy shows up in my life, and he says, you, you, you're a sinner. And I go, no. And, and we've even been taught bad theology. We've been taught that we are sinners saved by grace. I mean, how many times have we heard that? I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You can't be a sinner saved any more than you can be single married. Some of you need to quit trying that. If you're married, you're married. If you're single, you're single. If you're a sinner, you're a sinner. If you're saved, you're saved. Now, you may still sin, but you're not a sinner. You, you, you may still struggle with some things, but you are no longer a sinner. You are now, according to the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul, you are now a saint. 
you are now a set-apart child of God. And so I can resonate in that thing about righteousness. Lord, I thank you today that you have made me righteous. And maybe you've been going through some stuff, and you kind of hang there for a while until you know that the righteousness of God has been established in your life. And then, and then it goes on that, that we understand that our sins, both past, present, and future, are all forgiven. And we're the righteousness of God. Now, it's easy for us to believe that our sins past are forgiven. It might even be easy to believe that our sins presently are forgiven. But when I tell you that your sins in the future are forgiven, some of you go, wait, that's too far. Listen, when Jesus Christ hung on the cross and he cried out, it is finished, and the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, signifying that we have access to God, the price was paid for your sin. And if you are a believer today, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, and you have fellowship one with another, the Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth, present tense, cleanseth us from all sin. So not only are my sins today and yesterday forgiven, but my sins of tomorrow are forgiven. People say, well, that gives people a license to sin. Here's what I found out about people. They don't need a license. They just sin without one. And so what this does is gives us security in our life. The second word there, the second compound name of God is Jehovah Makedesh. The word Jehovah Makedesh means Jehovah who sanctifies. Uh, now, that word sanctification is kind of an old school word, but it means to be holy. It means to be set apart to God. It means that the Holy Spirit is enabling me to live a holy life. Now, I don't know about you, but the law does not help me to live a holy life. The law frustrates me. The law just shows me when I mess up. All right, I'll tell you a driving story. About a weekly occurrence with me, isn't it? I'm, I'm driving this week. I'm on the interstate, and I'm doing, anyway, I'm going. And uh, I top the hill, and I see blue lights. And uh, I slow down to 70. And... Uh, <clears throat> and I see that he's got somebody else pulled over, and I'm thanking Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, God. <laughs> Glory to the Lord. I pass him. I go over the hill. He can't see me. I speed back up. Now, for all the policemen, don't be looking for me. Here's the deal. The law does not make me holy. David prayed this prayer. David said, create in me a clean heart and renew within me a right spirit. What is he saying? He's saying, Lord, I need a creative work to be holy. I need you to do something that only you can do. I cannot do it by myself. And so that's why when we're in that time of prayer, whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're going through our lives, is that we can take time to say, Lord, sanctify me. Let the sin be taken out of my life and let me live in holiness before you. The second benefit uh, is the benefit of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'm grateful to know that once I'm saved and baptized that I can receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and the word there is the word Jehovah Shalom. Now, most of us have heard this. It just simply means Jehovah is peace. But it's, it really represents a whole lot more than that. Peace here represents wholeness and harmony with God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be in right relationship with God. I want to have 
harmony with God Almighty. And, and so this, this part, when I'm praying there, is, Lord, you are Jehovah Shalom to me. You have brought peace into my life. You brought a peace that passeth understanding. And, God, there's contentment and there's satisfaction in my life because of what you've done. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, wherever I find myself, he said, I have learned how to be content. What he's saying is, is I have learned how to live with Jehovah Shalom as my covering. That peace that passeth understanding in the midst of every situation. Listen, it, it, here's, here's another way to kind of define Jehovah Shalom. It means nothing missing and nothing broken. Nothing missing and nothing broken. And so I can come to the Lord and I say, Lord, I got some broke stuff today. Some of y'all can come to the Lord and say, I'm the broke stuff. I've got some things, God, that I need to see put back together. And so I'm coming to you today, God, and I am thanking you that you are Jehovah Shalom. And again, you, you don't just ritualistically pray through this. As you Sometimes you'll spend uh, the majority of your time in the first part of prayer on one, one whole part here. Other times you'll move through it, but you will understand what God is doing, and you're kind of moving down through that cycle, and you're seeing yourself coming to a place where you're delighting in prayer, and prayer is not a drudgery anymore. The second word there that that also helps us in the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is the word Jehovah Shammah. The word Jehovah Shammah means Jehovah or God who is there. Have you ever asked God to be with you? Ever prayed, Lord, we're going on this trip and I pray today that you'll be with me? You're wasting your time. Why? Because here's what he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will go with you till the end of the age. And so all that I'm doing at this point is I'm not asking him to be with me. I am thanking him that he is with me. Lord, I know that whatever I face today, I know that no matter what I walk into, whatever the situation is, God, I know that if I walk into the very pits of hell today, that you are with me, that I have the assurance of Jesus Christ in my life wherever I go today. And you know what? That will help you to live a more confident life when you know that it's not just you against the world, but that God is inside of you. And the Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? And so when you understand that, you just know. You just say, Lord, I, I'm just going to hang here a while, and I'm going to thank you that you are in my life. The third benefit, as you're praying through the compound names of God, is the word uh, Jehovah Rophi or Jehovah Rapha. Most of us have heard it, Jehovah Rapha can be spelled either way. And it just means Jehovah who heals. Uh, so the third benefit is the benefit of health and healing. Have people ask me all the time, Pastor, do you believe God can heal anything? Yes. Pastor, do you believe everybody gets healed? No. Now that shocks people. People say, Well, how how can you have don't you believe in speaking the word in faith? With all my heart. But I also believe it's appointed unto man once to die. Now, I don't believe God sends sickness. I don't believe God punishes me and all these things in that way. But I do believe that our bodies are made in such a way that if I violate nature and if I do certain things and I, I, you know, I abuse my body, that it's going to break down. Something's going to happen. And, and, I, and sometimes I have to go through the rebuilding of my body health-wise and nutrition-wise and whatever. Can God heal? Yeah, but sometimes God lets us walk what his healing is. 
But what we have to come back to is the Word of God says, by His stripes we were healed. And so if you're in a place today that you need healing, don't give up. You say, I've been praying for healing for 10 years. I've been praying for healing for 15 years. Well, listen, keep praying. Amen. Keep knocking. The Bible says, knock and it'll be open. Seek and you'll find. Ask and it'll be given. I mean, you, I just keep coming back. Every time they're praying for somebody, if I've got something wrong, I'm going to be on the first one. I'm Here, come here. Here, pray. Lay hands on me. Because this, this might be my time. This, this might be the, the person who's got the faith. This might be the spark that I need to move into that. And, and so as you're there, you're just thinking, Lord, I thank you that you restore, that you cure, that you heal, not only physically, but, Lord, you're the healer spiritually. You're the healer morally in my life. Do, do you realize, and again, I've got to be careful here, do you realize that all of us struggle with moral impurity? Areas of our life that are unhealthy morally? And, and we can, you know, we can come to church, we can get prayed for, and we can go right back out in the same sin. Oh, wow. We need to stand and sing the doxology, don't we? I, I mean, it's, it's that whole process there of understanding, wait a minute. In my life, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. So morally, there are aspects there that we need to be healed of. Some of us have some things that happened to us in our childhood. Some of us had things that have happened to us as we've been adults. Some of you have been traumatized. Some of you have had, had all kind of abuse happen to you. And just because you came to the Lord does not mean that you're not still struggling. Wow. With this area. Or that there's still some residue of your past that's still there. And so that's why when you're at this point, you're just able to say, Lord, I receive healing today. I receive wholeness, spirit, soul, and body that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals me. And as you do that, you just begin to sense that God's working on your behalf. The fourth benefit is the benefit of the freedom from the curse. Uh, it's the word Jehovah Jireh which means Jehovah, my provider. And we've all quoted that. He's Jehovah, my provider. And we quote that when there's no milk in the refrigerator and the car payment's past due and, you know, all that. And that's a great time to quote it, but it really is more than that. It really is to the point that Jesus bore the curse so that I can receive the blessing. So I need to find out what the blessings are. The Bible says all the promises are yes and amen. That word amen is not the end of the sentence. That word amen means so be it. Yes and so be it in Jesus are all the promises. And so I need to learn how to live in that place of saying, Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And you know what? If there's something I'm needing today, I'm believing, Lord, that you're going to bring provision. And, and again, you just stay there. Lord, you have redeemed me from the law of sin and death and failure. And I thank you today that you have placed your spirit in my life. And you can just pray there for a while as, as you begin to move into the process of prayer, of really interceding before the Father and really knowing that God Almighty hears you when you pray. I think a lot of us think that prayer is just a religious exercise of futility. Well, I'll do it because I'm supposed to. No, we do it because God lets us know that it's the key to everything that we need in our life. 
The fifth benefit, this is the final one, is, is uh, found in the Word of God there. Number five, as, as they change my screen real quickly, or I change, is the freedom from the fear of death and hell. Freedom from the fear of death and hell. Now, here's, here's the words we're going to. Jehovah-Rohi, which means Jehovah my shepherd. The, the Word of God says that he is my shepherd and I shall not what? Want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. It talks about that he, he, he um, prepares a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. He anoints my head with oil. He talks about surely goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house or in the presence of God Almighty. And so I, I don't have to worry. I don't go to bed at night afraid that if I die in the night that I'm going to hell. Amen. Any of you remember when you grew up going to church? Any of you go to old school kind of church where they preach hell so hot you smell like sulfur when you went home? I mean, I can, I can remember going to bed at night thinking, okay, I know I got some stuff. I mean, how much stuff do you have at six years old? But I, I got some stuff. But, but I always, you know, they talk about that the Lord's going to come back in the moment and twinkling of an eye. And I always thought if I could stay close enough to my mom or dad, I'd just grab them. Right, but I'd go to bed at night. Come on, how many of you? How many of you? You went to bed at night, and uh, and you made sure the closet door was shut so nothing could get out and get you. Right, I still do that, by the way. Uh, <laughs> something about it. I don't like the closet door open, a and uh, and and you get under the cover. Right, you don't let your hand go off the cover. I don't know why covers protect you. Right, come on, am I the only one? Because if your hand gets out from under the cover, something will yank you under that bed and you'll go straight to hell. I mean, I... <laughs> right? and, and, you know, part of it was how we were taught. I mean, think about the prayer we teach our two-year-olds. Now lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die! <laughs> really? Before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Oh, no, man. I, and... and and so because of that, we've grown up with this insecurity. Uh, we, we don't understand security at all. And, and yet the Word of God says He's your shepherd. He'll lead you. He'll take care of you. And so you can have this sense of, you know what? I don't fear death. I don't fear hell. In fact, the Apostle Paul said it to us. He said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The, the, the next word there, next compound word of God uh, is Jehovah Nissi. And that word means Jehovah my banner. And, and in the Old Testament, when you would find the banner being raised, it was when the battle was so hot in a certain area that the banner would go up and the entire army would rally to that. And the Scripture says that Jehovah God Almighty is your banner. And then the Scripture says that his banner over you is love. And so you can just say, Lord, I just thank you today that I am sealed in your love. I just thank you today that you have blessed me. I thank you, Lord that I know that no matter what's going on around me, that your love encapsulates me. And sometimes you really need that. Sometimes you really need to hold on to that and, and receive that in your life. You may be going through a real rough time, and you've got to have that. But wherever you are, you, you, can, you can spend some time there. And, and here's the cool thing. We've just got into our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We, we're, we're just in the first part of the prayer. 
And, and you, you can already see that if you'll start praying this way, that your prayer time will begin to expand and you'll begin to become that person that you have desired to be. But as you move into that place of discipline, then you'll begin to see the delight that the Lord has for you.